Hello everyone, this is your host Ramakrishna from Usha Investment Group LLC. Welcome back to Multifamily AP360, the show where we discuss 360 degrees views on mindset, passive and active multifamily investing. For those who are looking for tips, strategies, best and challenging experiences. Also, I request you to share it with those who might benefit and leave a rating and review. Today's our guest is Anthony Vicino from Invectus Capital. Welcome back, Anthony. Hey, thanks for having me. It's good to be here again. Sure, sure. Thank you very much. Little bit about Anthony. Anthony is a serial entrepreneur who has helped build multiple multi-million dollar companies from the ground up by creating efficient systems that scale, utilizing value-based content marketing strategies, and always focusing on providing exceptional end-user experience. He's a, he's a best-selling author, investor, and small business owner who successfully managed his own personal portfolio of multifamily assets spread across the country before joining forces with Dan Kruger in 2019 to create Invectus Capital. So with that, Anthony, you want to add anything to your background? No, I think that nails it. Um, I Yeah, I like to build businesses, like to invest in real estate, and I've been known to write every now and then. So that's just kind of me in a nutshell. Awesome. Thank you. So, so you came like uh, almost more than one year back. So, would you share me like what, what exactly you accomplished? What what things uh, you you, uh, you did in the last twelve plus months? Yeah, the last last twelve months have been really great for us. It's been very busy. Um, so, on the acquisition side, I think coming probably the last time that we chatted, we were sitting at maybe around $10 million in assets under management. I can't remember. Yeah, I think um, so. Yep. And, and now at this point we're, we're sitting at about 40. So last year there was a, there was a lot of acquisitions. We raised about um, eight or $9 million of, of capital. Um, so that was great. We picked up some really awesome uh, real estate last year, which was, was awesome. It's <laughs> fantastic. Um, in addition to that, we focused a lot on our operations. So we're vertically integrated. We have in-house property management. And so we focused a lot on laying down solid foundations for our systems and processes so that we can continue to scale. Um, right now, like this year, we're um, on track to double. So if we're sitting at 40 million in assets under management right now, by the end of the year, we're on track right now to hit 80. So we, it was imperative last year that we really lay a solid foundation for our teams to be able to absorb that much uh, new inventory and be able to operate it excellently. So we focused a lot on that last year. And in addition to that, we also published a book, uh, Passive Investing Made Simple, which went live in August. And that was a really cool experience because we published it thinking that it would do well, but we didn't know how well it would do. Um, and it went to number one on Amazon and it's been sitting in the top 10 for commercial real estate for ever since it came out. So that's been really cool. Um, the amount of people that reach out and say like, Hey, I've read the book. Like it really helped me understand passive investing. Cause there's just not very many good resources out there for the, the average passive investor, somebody who doesn't like live and breathe real estate. They, they want to invest in real estate, but they don't want a master's degree in it. So, um, that's been pretty cool. So last year was, was pretty busy, pretty great. Um, 2022 is shaping up to be pretty awesome year too. Um, despite all the craziness in the world, rising interest rates, inflation and all, all that, um, still managing to get some really good deals done. Great, great. So before going, jumping into like inflation, all the stuff. So what are the lessons you learned by writing uh, Passive Investing Made Easy book personally? I, I think any, I think writing is one of the most important skills that any of us can can develop because writing is 
thinking made physical, right? Like you have all these chaotic jumbles of thoughts going through your brain at any given moment. If you've ever tried to meditate, you've you probably realized like your monkey brain is constantly jumping between topics and concepts. And it's only for me when I start writing that I, I take that jumble of thoughts and I'm forced to, to really focus it down and, and slowly but surely come to clarity on what it is that I think on that topic. And where passive investing made simple was such a good experience for me was it forced me to really simplify my thinking around multifamily and explain it in a way that, you know, a lay person, my grandma could understand it. Um, and that was a real challenge because investing generally for a lot of people feels complicated and overwhelming. And so to take this uh, subject matter that people just inherently find terrifying and try to make it accessible and simple was a really big challenge. But through that challenge, gained, I gained a lot of clarity in, in how to communicate certain concepts to, to people that you know, when you live in the world of real estate, you take for granted when you're coming at real estate from an outsider's perspective, things like CapEx and cap rates and what does inflation have to do with interest rates and, and valuations? Like these are concepts that can feel really daunting to most people. So just the, the process of writing forced me to put myself in the shoes of the passive investor and understand, try to understand them better. And so that was just a really good exercise. Got it. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. And uh, uh, what's your take on current inflation, interest rates hikes, and supply uh, supply demand issue? How that is impacting, you know, affordability factors? Yeah, it's 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 interesting because historically, interest rates when interest rates rise, typically we also see valuations start to drop. So what people talk about is that interest rates and cap rates are correlated. So as interest rates go up, cap rates start to decompress. And this makes a lot of sense because if your cost of capital is higher, then you can't afford to pay as much for a building. And that's the theory. But in practice, what we saw, what we've been seeing is that even though interest rates are rising, uh, valuations are still remaining high, if not continuing to rise. And so you have to look at it through the lens of, well, why is that? Like, why, why is it that if, if our debt is more expensive, how is it that people are still justifying paying ever higher numbers in valuations? And part of it is liquidity. There's a lot of money out there in the system. A lot of people were saving over the last couple of years. And with all the money printing that occurred, that has now led to inflation, which we can talk about that in a second. But people have money and it has to go somewhere because inflation's eating away at it. And so it can't just sit in a bank and earn, you know, less than 1% in a savings account. It's got to be put to use. And so people are finding, okay, well, real estate is a good inflationary hedge because as inflation rises, we can also increase our rents, you know, and so we can offset it. It's a, it's a hedge. Whereas in other investment vehicles, you might not be able to do that. So there's a lot of moving parts at play here. I think just in general, as whether you're a passive investor or you're an operator trying to make deals work right now, you have to just be really cautious. You have to be very conservative in your underwriting assumptions about what the interest rates are going to be, not just now, but also in the future, if you're trying to factor in a cash out refinance, you know, be really conservative with what you think that world's going to look like. And also be conservative with your cap rate assumptions because sure, valuations have remained high and we haven't seen cap rates decompressed yet. Who's to say on a three to four to five year horizon, you know, when you go to go try to go full cycle on a deal that the cap rate hasn't started to unspool at that point. So I think just it's it's a time to be conservative and cautious, but you can't afford to be sitting on the sideline right now. Because the one thing that's for certain is if you sit on the sideline, you're just going to miss out on all the opportunities and your money is going to erode and debase. And that's that's not a recipe for success either way. Got it. Got it. But how exactly that, you know, inflation and, you know, this 
uh, rent increases impacting affordability? Well, inflation, it's interesting, depending on what market you're in, right? So we invest only in the Twin Cities of Minnesota. So this is our backyard, we're vertically integrated, have property management company here. One of the things that we always keep our eye on is the affordability index. And one of the largest drivers of that is the cost of your living or your cost of housing. Generally, what you know people end up spending on their housing is about 30% of their total income, right? In Minnesota, in Minneapolis in particular, what's really fascinating is that we have a really high median income and a really strong affordability index where the cost of living is relatively low. And on housing, on average, the, the residents in the Twin Cities only pay about 21 to 22% of their total income towards housing. And so what that means for us in our market is that, yes, despite inflation rising, cost of living is getting more expensive. In our market, our residents still have the ability to absorb a solid 8 to 9% before they hit that 30% threshold where you start to see some issues. When I look at really hot markets like Phoenix, let's say, for example, which, you know, Phoenix is a fantastic market, but one of the concerns I, I always have is when you see consistent 20% year over year rent growth, but you don't see a subsequent in- increase in median income and how much people are earning, then that delta between what the, the market can absorb and how much higher that rent can go, it starts to shrink quite quite drastically. So for us in our market, we haven't really seen the effects of it yet on rent, only I think because, primarily because our, our rent is already so suppressed compared to what the median income is that there's just so much more runway still to go. Yeah, that, that's good to know that. Yeah, definitely. Uh, if like, you know, uh, the medium, um, the income is less than you know, 30% is definitely, that's a good, good sign. Mm-hmm. And w- what's your take on uh, uh, real estate and multifamily next, you know, 12 to 18 months? Oh, it's hard to say. I do. I, do, I believe that multifamily is still an incredible asset class. And of course, it's always location dependent. So you're going to need to look at it through the, the lens of the market that you're you're interested in. And that's going to be huge. But generally speaking, we have a huge disequilibrium between um, inventory and demand. Like there's just so many people that need a place to live. I believe last time I looked, we're about 4 million housing units short in the United States. That's a huge, that's a huge um, need, a huge demand. And there's just not a, there's just not enough supply coming on, on the market. And so I, I believe multifamily is going to continue to be very, very desirable, both from a renting perspective, but then also from an investment perspective. But the key is you're going to need to be careful as interest rates are rising and not knowing what's going to happen with cap rates. And, and just generally with the macro market, like assume the worst, assume that the world's going to kind of fall apart and underwrite accordingly. And what I would really pay attention to is making sure that you have adequate cash flow and reserves. Those are those are the two most important things when you're in an unknown environment is you need to have plenty of reserves to be able to weather any potential storm. And if you have that and if you have enough cash flow, enough buffer between how much profit your property is generating versus how much debt or how much it costs you to run the thing, then you're going to be solid. Don't go chasing deals that have slim cash flow and you don't have adequate reserves because that's a recipe for disaster. You're, you're going to get yourself into a lot of trouble really quickly, I think, over the next 12 to 18 months. But all that's to say is I still think multifamily generally across the board still has a really long ways to run because I don't see any short-term or long-term solution yet to the housing crisis. Like there's just not enough housing to go around. And until that gets re- resolved, I, I think multifamily is going to continue to be on the, on the, the right side of the supply demand uh, equilibrium spectrum. 
Got it. Yeah. Thank you very much for sharing that. Yeah, definitely keeping adequate, adequate cash flow. I mean, uh, adequate results and, you know, good cash flow is definitely, you know, big factor. Mm-hmm. And yeah, when you have a ton of cash flow, you can weather any storm. It's, you know, it's, it's a great thing to have, but if you're, if you're chasing thin cash flow, hoping for big appreciation down the road, and that's where you're going to generate your returns. Well, that can work, but only if you can stay in the game long enough to realize the appreciation and the cash flow is what's what allows you to stay in the game, right? Like that's what keeps you alive. It keeps you generating a profit. Yeah. Yeah. Totally agree on that. Yep. And so which markets your company is investing in next uh, few years? So we're, we're exclusively in the Twin Cities, um, St. Paul, Minneapolis, first spring suburb, suburbs up here. Probably within the next two to three years, we'll start expanding our scope into other Midwest markets. Um, but for us, what makes us really unique is that we're local experts and we're vertically integrated. So for us to be moving into a new market, we have to establish local expertise and an on-site property management team. So, you know, that creates its own barriers to entry for us. Um, but we're anticipating that we'll be at that scale where it's going to make sense for us to start expanding maybe to Des Moines or Omaha, other, other awesome Midwest markets within the next two to three years. Got it. So what are some best practices going with uh, vertically integrated or in-house property management? Uh, Best practices is take care of the residents above all. I think if you take care of the residents, they take care of the building and that takes care of the investment. And whether you're you're dealing with class C assets or class B or class A, you should be striving to uh, treat all your residents um, exceptionally well. And Generally in class C and class B in particular, I think residents don't get treated nearly as well as their class A counterparts. They tend to get the short end of the stick. Um, the landlord resident relationship is often very frictious and that creates a lot of tension. And I think if you want to be an excellent property manager, if you want to build that team, it has to be from a resident first perspective and saying, regardless of how much rent we're getting out of this resident, like we're going to treat them awesome and we're going to take care of them because this is their home. And when you do that, when you do right by your residence, it has a trickle out effect to the rest of the building, to the rest of the neighborhood. And ultimately it takes care of the investment, which is fantastic. But at its core, realize that your, your residents, they really are your customers, right? Like they're the, they're the ones that are generating the profit. And if you don't take care of them, then everything else falls apart. So you have to be, you have to take a very resident first mindset. Got it. Yeah. Uh, share any one personal learning that has played a part in creating massive impact and powerful shifts in your own life. Yeah, I think the biggest one is playing long-term games with long-term people. Um, all, all things that are worth having in this life come on the, the back end of compounding interest. I think whether that's you know investing your money or investing social capital in relationships like it takes a long time to do great things. And one of the cool things about real estate is that it's an inherently long-term game. It's not a get rich quick type of industry. It's get rich slowly, but surely. And it's a have massive impact slowly, but surely type of thing. And so just expanding the time view, instead of saying, oh, over the next four years or five years, we're going to make this much impact. Start looking at it and saying, over the next 20 years, what can we do with this? And I think when you start taking that really long view, you start doing things now and start building infrastructure for a world that's still very, very far off. But ultimately, the only way to realize that dream of what the future could be is to start building it right now. Yeah, totally agree on that. Yeah, definitely commercial real estate is a long-term game. We need to you know, see long view. And any personal habits that, that are helping you to be successful? 
Yeah, I think the the biggest one that I talk about a lot is time blocking. Time blocking is super valuable to me. It's it's just sitting down the the day like at the end of the day and looking through my to-do list and the next day's calendar and then sitting down and actually prioritizing what are the most important things I need to get done to move the needle the furthest and then actually scheduling those into my day and getting better at uh, at saying no to things and specifically saying no to um, all sorts of things that could be very valuable uses of my time, but they're not the most valuable. And that can be really, really hard, especially as like an early stage entrepreneur where you feel like you have to be doing everything all the time and that you can't afford to say no to anything because that could be the opportunity that changes the entire game. Um, we've, we've started to get to a scale now where it's less about doing a lot and more about doing less better. And so really getting clear on what is, what are the very few number of things that I need to do remarkably well to have the biggest impact on the business and not on my life and, and then scheduling that. And that's what time blocking really allows me to do. Awesome. Awesome. And any recent books that impacted your life? Yeah. Oh man. I've read so many good books. One recently that I I liked a lot is called Alter Ego by uh, Todd Herman. It's just a book about the concept that um, a lot of really top performing athletes and um, business people, singers, performers, they have like this alter ego that they turn on when they go onto stage or when they step onto the court. You know, Kobe Bryant had Black Mamba and Beyonce has, I can't remember what her name was, but it was like Sasha Fierce or something. Like they have this character that they become when they step onto the field. And the book is all about how we can take that concept and apply it to other areas of our life, whether that's, I want to be the best you know, partner for my, my girlfriend, or I want to be the best business person, or I want to be outgoing. Like, what is that alter ego and its characteristics that I would want to step into so I could be my, the best version of myself in these different arenas? And I, I found that to be a really cool concept. Awesome. And how can listeners can connect with you, Anthony? Yeah, if you want to connect about what we do at Invictus Capital, then go to Invictus Multifamily. You can learn all about what we do there. Um, the book that we mentioned earlier, the passive uh, passive investing made simple. If you want to get a copy of that, you can go to thepassiveinvestingbook.com. And it's like, it's it's 50% off on that rather than going to Amazon. So you just pay, I think it's like nine bucks and we just ship you out a free co- uh, a, a physical copy of the book. So I would recommend that, or you can just shoot me, shoot me an email. I'm Anthony at InvictusMultifamily.com. If you have questions about what we do or how we might be able to help you do what you want to do, then just you know, feel free to, to ping me. Awesome. And thank you very much, Anthony. Thanks for sharing your uh, views on current market situation. Absolutely. My pleasure, man. Thanks for having me. Sure. Thanks for listening to Multifamily AP360. Check out the show notes and grab the freebie on our website, ushacapital.com. Also, if you enjoyed this episode, share it with those who might benefit and leave a rating and review. Follow me on my social media. Thanks for tuning in and I'll see you next time.